Hey, this is Tanner Sherlock. I'm the pastor at Shadow State Chi Alpha. And this is our podcast where our mission is to make disciples who then make disciples. Be sure and subscribe so you can get our content every time we post. And I pray that this message blesses you today. God bless. What's up, guys? Um, today I wanted to talk a little bit about pride. Um, you know, I was praying about it, what I wanted to talk about. And I feel like this is something that both um, I have walked through as well as something that I've always been hesitant to talk about. And I think part of the reason I've always been hesitant to talk about it is simply because I've walked through this so much in my life that, you know, I, I guess walking through it so much, I, I've came to a place that I felt like maybe I shouldn't have a place in teaching about it. But then again, because of my experiences, maybe that authorizes me to have a little bit more of a say in it. But when it comes down to, you know, uh, talking about pride, whether or not I have the authority to talk about it or not, um, you know, I, I look out and I see a world that, um, at least in America, has become obsessed with pride. Um, I don't know if it's become obsessed or it's always been obsessed with pride, but it's definitely gotten worse lately. And so um, we live in the, the most powerful, wealthy, and frankly, the most prideful country. And so as Christians, um, we have to navigate that world with what the Bible tells us. You know, we're taught from a young age that the source of our happiness lies within our own abilities. We're taught that in hard times, we need to pick ourselves up from our bootstraps and then we need to work ourselves into prosperity. But within the Bible, we see something a little bit different than that. Now, there is benefit to being able to work and be a hard worker, but our ability to change and our ability to to do things shouldn't rely upon our soul ability. And not only all of that, but we live in a time where TikTok videos have become, and YouTube videos, frankly, have become all about teaching each other how to do something and how to grow. And then we get to the point where we get good at it. We then think that we're experts. And so now we need to go and make TikToks and teach others how to do something and grow so that we can then benefit financially from it and become successful in it. Now, I'm not saying all of that is evil or bad, but when the source of it comes from our own desires and our own pride in order to become rich or famous or powerful, then it's an issue. Now, the definition of pride is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of those whom one is closely associated, or from the qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Our culture has become absolutely inundated with the concept of pride. As American Christians, it's extremely difficult to be raised in this country and not adopt some of that teaching. And meanwhile, at the same time, they're saying that this generation, the generation coming up behind you, um, statistically struggle with depression at a rate of almost double the generations that come from before you. So how do we reconcile all of these thoughts? Well, the definition of humility is to have a modest or low view of one's importance, humbleness. Now, here's where I think all of that begins to add up. I think we've misplaced humility as Christians in America, especially. We've misplaced humility and we've then replaced it with self-deprecation. These two things are not the same. Humility is recognizing that in the grand scheme of God and who 
God is and God's agenda for your life, God's plans for your life. Humility is recognizing that agenda and the plans he has for you and the scale that his plan has and that it pales in comparison our agenda and our desires and our will. Self-deprecation is the undervaluing of yourself. Now, self-deprecation and humility, as I said, they're not the same thing. They're not even close to the same thing. In fact, self-deprecation and humility cannot exist in the same sphere in relation to who God is. Because humility is recognizing your own place in the world. Self-deprecation is saying that you have no value in the world. If we must get stuck in self-deprecation, or if we get stuck in self-deprecation, then we are saying that Christ died on the cross for absolutely nothing. The truth is that your life has an extreme value. Your life is not valueless. That's not humility. But humility is recognizing that that value is not dependent upon your accomplishments, your abilities, your intelligence, your good grades, or the job that you have, or the amount of money that you make. The value of your life is because God says you're worth it. The value of your life is because of what God has said about you. God has said that you're worth the cost that was paid by Jesus dying on the cross. And so humility is recognizing that you are valuable while also recognizing the full importance of God and who he is. The other day, my wife was at home with our son and my son's in this stage of exploration. He finally has the, the mobility. He's able to crawl. He's able to get around pretty quickly. And uh, he's also getting the ability to pull himself up and look at things. So he's not walking quite yet, but he's probably getting pretty close. And so he's starting to gain that sense of independence that young uh, infants have, that the babies have, that independence. Finally, I can get around. I don't have to depend upon mom and dad in order to get me around. I can go explore. And so a few days ago, Bennett... Uh, he started to pull himself up on our glass TV, um, the the stand that holds our TV, sorry. And so this is an awesome ability, and we want to encourage him in his ability to stand up and to pull around. And while he was doing this, he found our Xbox. And so on the Xbox, it has a power button that you can push, and it makes a noise, and it turns everything on, and it's just kind of a touch screen. You don't have to push a button. And so my wife decided to show him um, where that button was and how to activate it. So she showed him the button, she turned it on, showed him the button and turned it off. And in that moment, it was a great thing because it got my son excited and he got him encouraged and he was excited to stand up in order to, to push the button and to see it for himself and to see the world for himself. And it's just this huge thing for him. We want him to be curious and we want him to engage in those things. But as you can imagine, for the next week, every time that he noticed the Xbox, every time he noticed the TV stand, he would crawl over to it as fast as he possibly could. He would pull himself up and he would turn the Xbox on and then off and then on and then off and then on again and then off again um, and then on again one more time just to make sure that we were paying attention and then off. And so he will literally just keep pushing it on and off until we go over and grab him and take him and remove him away from it. So for our son, he's just exploring. 
He's learning a new ability and he wants to exercise that ability. And so just like the Jews, when they were freed from Egypt, God led them out of slavery into freedom. And into the desert for the first time, they got to experience that freedom. They were able to make decisions for themselves. They could do whatever they wanted to do. They could come and go as they pleased. They simply just didn't recognize that what we've learned in the New Testament, that because everything was permissible, that doesn't mean everything is beneficial. And so long story short, it's estimated that around 2 million Jews were freed from Egypt and only two got to inherit the promised land. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones. Whereas my son's information is limited, all he knows is that when he touches this button that mom showed him that it does a really cool noise and it lights up. And then we push it again, it makes a different noise and it begins to blink. He has zero information about what it actually does, what the purpose of it is. He just knows that he pushes it, it makes noise, pushes it again, different noise, does something different. And so as you can expect, um, going around pushing the, the Xbox button on and off, it can create a few problems. I mean, nothing huge, but it can create some problems. If we're in the middle of watching something, it turns it off. We have to find our place again. If he pushes it on and off over and over again, it can begin to damage the Xbox. There's a lot of different things that can go wrong, and so mom and dad have begun telling him no and to remove him from that situation. But just like my son, the Jews didn't fully realize that what they were doing was wrong. They simply just relied on their own information and their own understanding. And so as a result, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Now, unlike my son, the Israelites should have known better because God had already showed them their worth and he had already showed them his power. God had promised them a victory. And so the land that he commanded them to go in and take was already theirs. They simply just had to trust and obey. But that is not what they did. As Christians, we know that God will never lead us to a place where his grace cannot provide for us and his power cannot protect us. The Israelites saw the powerful hand of God at work during the plagues and the miracles of the Exodus, but they walked by sight, not by faith. They walked by their own understanding and their own unbelief. And this displeased God. Because Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So their lack of faith displeased God. And so their failure to believe in God's word kept them from entering the promised land. And this truth has never changed. The Jews saw that the people of the land they were about to overtake was full of people who were bigger, stronger, faster, more numerous than them. And then they leaned on their own understanding. And then in Numbers 14, 11, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? in spite of all the signs that I have done for them. See, my thought process of how I understand pride and what has helped me out the most in pride is pride is taking Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And then twisting it to mean that I can be rich, I can be a billionaire with wings and a six-pack because I can do, I can do all things. Through God, who gives me strength. Humility is recognizing that Philippians 4.13 comes with some context. Starting in verse 12, it says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Humility is realizing that no matter what comes our, our way, we can endure it because our strength doesn't come from our own abilities, our own intellect, our own circumstances. Our strength comes from God. So how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place where we have a full reliance and an understanding of who God is? Well, that's the thing. Humility, it's not going to come to you directly. As someone who struggled with pride my entire life, I can tell you that praying and asking for humility, God didn't just poof, snap his fingers and, oh, Tanner's a humble guy. That's not the way it worked for me, and I'm pretty sure that's not the way it's going to work for you. Because when it comes down to it, praying for humility is a dangerous prayer. Because if you're like me and you're like the Jews, you might just have to endure a little bit of wilderness in order for you to become humble. Because ultimately, you have to engage in behaviors that foster humility. But the fear of the wilderness, the fear of that life, uh, the fear of that in order to become humble, it shouldn't be something that we fear. We shouldn't fear humility and we shouldn't fear the wilderness. Because it was in the wilderness that Jesus was tempted by Satan, but it was there that Jesus showed us his strength. And so for us, the wilderness is where we will be tempted. But again, it is where Jesus will show us his strength. Because humility will protect your faith. True humility will protect your integrity. Now, humility is not saying that I have no value. Again, humility is saying that I'm, it's not saying that I'm not worthwhile. Humility is saying that I am weak. No. Sorry. Humility is not saying that I am weak. That I am a weak form of nothingness. Humility, simply put, is a right evaluation of who God created you to be. Humility is not about your dreams, your aspirations, or what you want to be. It's not about your self-image. Humility is about recognizing that there is a God, and God is not you. And so today, as I talk about pride and I talk about humility, I come as someone who still struggles with pride. I still have times where I forget who God has made me to be as well as I forget and I think that I am worth less than I am. I start to have a woe is me mentality. I start to have a, a low self-image of who I am. I start to think that I'm the exception and not the rule. I start to think that God doesn't love me or God isn't there for me. But for me, personally, that's just simply my pride rising up because I forgot. I forgot God. I forgot who God made me to be.
And so today I hope that you will engage in humility, that you will ask God to help you to become humble. And then in the midst of the hardship, you will remember who God has said you are. That you won't engage in the mentality of, I'm just going to pick myself up. I'm going to do this because God isn't doing it for me. That's not the right mentality. The humble mentality is, God, I, I know you made me to be. I know that you love me. Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for me. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with me and that you would help me to get through this hard time. Let's pray, Lord. I thank you for today and thank you for the opportunity for us to get to know you a little bit better. Lord, I pray that you would be with those who are listening to this and that you would help show them who they are that you would show them that they are worthy because you said that they are worthy. They're not worthy because of anything that they've done, but they're also not disqualified because of anything they've done because Jesus makes us qualified. Jesus makes us worthy. And so, Lord, I pray that these listeners would give themselves over to you, Lord, that they would accept you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, and that they would begin to see the value that they have. And they would begin to see what you made them to be and who you want them to be. Lord, we give today over to you for your will to be done in our lives. In it is in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Be blessed, and we will talk to you guys later.